Welcome, everybody, to the sixth episode of the Decipher Together podcast. I am your host, Luis Torres, and it's going to be a very, very special episode today. But before I proceed with that, always want to let you know where you can find us at decipheredtogether at gmail.com. So if you have any topics, any questions, or anything that you want me to review on the podcast, you can suggest there. You can find us on Instagram, Snapchat, uh, at Decipher Together. We are available on all podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Anchor. Just search Decipher Together and you'll be able to subscribe and listen whenever new episodes come up. I do want to say I know it's been a long time since I posted an episode. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on and I find it very difficult to you know, do the other things I have available and this podcast. And I want to make sure that when I put out an episode, it's important and it's it's something that means something to everybody instead of me just recording for the sake of recording. But this episode is going to be really, really big and it's really, really huge. I have a special guest with me. Um, her name is Laura Hanna. And say hi, Laura. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've been working with Laura for about, geez, uh, two and a half years directly. Um, uh, but I've known Laura for about four or five years. And she doesn't know this, but about four years ago, five years ago, I was uh, fairly new in the business that we're in. And, you know, she's training. And when I when I saw the abilities that she had, I mean, she was in front of a class of like 30, 35 people um, training different business tactics. And it was amazing. Um, not only the way she spoke, but the content that she created, the way that she was able to control the room. Uh, it was really inspirational to me. Um, you know, I, I don't think I ever really told her that, but nope. um, <laughs> but it, no, it, it was it was really amazing, right? And then when you take a look at it, and and you know, I didn't see it as oh wow, she's impressive for a woman, right? Um, I never saw it like that. I said she's impressive as an individual. Um, she impressed me with her abilities, and it was something that I always wanted to achieve to and strive to be like that. And luckily, we were able to kind of work together directly over the last two, two and a half years. Um, and she's even more impressive now as she's developed. So I felt it was important to bring her on the show so that she can share her story and she can share, you know, some of the struggles that she's had, also some of the successes that she's had and how she was able to achieve all of that. You know, she has a very interesting story that she's going to tell you a little bit about her background and where she comes from. Um, and it's very, very interesting. And I think the more exposure that we get to of course, women in leadership and and we can kind of hear their story and their struggles and their successes. Um, and just in general, right, people who are successful and who work on themselves on a daily basis to achieve that success. Um, I think it's very important. I think that's what the show is about. Um, so I'm sure you're tired of hearing from me. Let's hear from wonderful Laura Hammond. Laura, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Liz. And no, I didn't know all that stuff you said. So thank you. I really do appreciate that. Um, so just a little bit about me. I went to, I think one of the things that really helps define people's kind of like their childhood and different things that they go through um, in good and bad ways, right? But I just remember that, you know, there was time in my life when I couldn't live with my parents anymore, about 12, 13 years old. So I started living with different aunts and uncles. And I think one of the things early on is that it kind of taught you as a child to be agile, also to be respectful of other people's homes and just to be happy for what you have. But I remember going from aunt and uncle's house to aunt and uncle's house, even just all over the country, right? So lived in Florida uh, with my grandmother for a little bit too, then had to venture out to California, 
Uh, my aunt and uncle took care of me for a couple months. That was cool, though. How old were you when this was going on? I was 15. Oh, wow. Then I was 15. Those, that's the, like the generational years. That's when you start yeah. kind of developing a little bit. And you, know, you start to realize like how the world really works a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Yep. But it was cool going out to Cali. Um, I was not like in L.A. or anything like that. It was kind of like in the little bit of the desert area. Oh, but it was still wow. really cool because the experience there with the students and the culture and high school, it was just so different. Like they would have class outside sometimes. Like full-on classes, like math yeah. classes in the middle of a park. Yeah, yep. Because it was oh, like just cool, so actually. pretty, and their whole school was kind of based around like an outside type of environment. So like, especially the music classes, like music teachers, they would take all their music students outside. So you'd see a lot of people playing guitars outside or like having lunch outside. It was really cool. What year was it? I would. That was my junior, junior year. Oh my gosh, wow. I think that, that's sophomore, a hell of an junior, sophomore, junior. Yeah. I went to four different high schools, so sometimes I can't really remember. Yeah, yeah. No, but that, that it was, gets a little blurry. That that sounds like a really good experience because I mean I know like we don't really get that in New York, you know. Unfortunately, I've been in New York we for don't. most of my life, so we don't get yeah. that kind of like, hey, let's go outside and play some guitars and <laughs> hang out kind of thing, you know. You don't want to go outside. And play. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Um, but I do remember how beautiful California was. But I also remember um, I come from a Middle Eastern background, so. When I went to go live with my aunt, her husband was very strict, very strict. My little cousin, I was 15 at the time. My little cousins were, they were like four and two, something like that. So they were really young. They were both little girls, but he was just so strict, especially since I was a woman. So wasn't allowed to watch TV, wasn't allowed to have a cell phone, wasn't allowed to go on the computer without being monitored. Uh, wasn't allowed to go to any dances or anything like that either. Oh. I was in AP chem and there's no one cool in AP Chem. I'm not sure if you. I'm ever... sure. I'm sure you were cool. I know. I know the AP <laughs> really classes wasn't. are the really advanced ones. I know. It's really wasn't considered the nerdy ones, but you know the nerdy ones are the ones that rule the world. So you know, I'm just saying. But getting there <laughs> one step at a time, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, I just remembered. Trust me, there's no one cool in AP Chem. <laughs> um, so I remembered we had there was like 12 of us, and they, my teacher. Um, and I remember he actually came down with MS. It, it was it was an interest. It was so interesting watching him go from like teaching and standing to like barely being able to walk. But he was having a party at his house for the AP Chem students because it was right before we were going to take our college test. So he wanted to just celebrate and let us let loose a little bit. Um, and it was at his house. So I remember he gave me like a little flyer and everything. I went home and I told my uncle, "Hey, I'm going to this AP Chem party." Because uh, you figure, whatever, you know, yeah. I'm not really going to have that how much, much trouble. Fun, yeah. How much trouble can you get in the AP camp party? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> at your teacher's house. Yeah, yeah. And I had no friends because I had just moved there. You know, it's not easy moving so much in high school. Most people make yeah. their roots in high school. Yeah. So I remember telling him, I'm going to go to this party. And he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, well, why not? And he said, because you're not supposed to tell me you're supposed to ask. So next time approach me the right way. Wow. Uh, that's just an example of like how strict it could get. I remember one yeah. time I went roller skating outside and he came in the truck and picked me up. It was like, you're not supposed to be outside and stuff. I look back and he was doing the best he could. You know, he got yeah. thrown a teenager that wasn't his. So I'm sure there was some protective levels and some cultural levels to that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then I... Well, let me ask you before you continue. Yeah. Um, do you think it'd be different if you were a male, if you were a boy? Yes. How? In my culture, yeah, absolutely. How? How? Yeah. Uh, well, my dad even always used to say that to me when I was growing up, and I'll give you examples. So, you know, I'm the youngest. My brother's two years older than me. My sister's four years older than me. So I remember my brother always used to be able to, like, go out, stay out past 10, or, like, bring his girlfriends over and stuff. And I always just asked my dad, I'm like, 
how come it's okay for my brother to go out with boys and girls but like if you see that I, I even around boys you like make me go home yeah. and he's like because your brother's a boy he's a man and that that's how it works so yeah definitely used to say he was very blunt about it used to say stuff just like that he was never discriminatory against education or against things like that like he always said it's important for a man and a woman to get educated he always said it's important you know for a man and a woman to take care of themselves and things like that but he had some traditional views in the sense of how a woman should act um versus how men should act do you think it was um, even down to food really yeah what about the food uh well it's okay for it was okay for my brother and my uh, dad to kind of eat oh you want fried chicken and french fries no problem uh, men could eat that when it came to me my mom was more like how about a salad yeah <laughs> or, <laughs> or some grilled chicken yeah, yeah, yeah which is actually a good thing later on in life because it taught me about health and how important it is to yeah. take care of yourself but in the moment when you're 12 and you really want that brownie it's yeah. not <laughs> Uh, it's not the best thing. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely must have been a little confusing, I guess, right? Maybe when you're a little bit younger and trying to understand what the difference is and why. Um, I think what confused me more as a child was racism versus men versus, rather than men versus women. Okay. Did you did you encounter that when you were younger? Yes, because I never believed that because your skin color was different, that you were a different type of human that never made, made sense to me. Mm. Um, so some of my family members are very traditional. So when I did date people of different backgrounds or different colors, it never landed very well. Um, that I understood less than the difference between a man and a woman. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, I, I agree. And I think that's something that goes around all cultures um, and all religions for whatever reason. That's something that's ancient, that goes yeah. back to the old days, way before we were around, that for whatever reason, skin color is such a focus on different cultures, and it, it really doesn't make sense to the new generation, and I think, I think we've come a long way with that stuff, but obviously we have a lot more to go. Yeah. Um, we do have a yeah. lot more to go. I, I, you know, the same thing, when I was younger, if I dated somebody out of my race, which is, you know, I'm Hispanic, which is, you know, it's not really a religion, right? It's just a, you know, it's a race. Right. But, um... It was the same idea. Uh, if somebody was darker skinned than me and I'd bring them home, I'd kind of get the, the little eye, you know? Yeah. i get the little <laughs> yeah. eye like, are uh, you sure? Yeah. And I never I never really understood that. I never mm -hmm. really understood what's the big deal, what's the difference, like who cares kind of thing. So I definitely understand. Um, so how do you think all that all that stuff that you were going through when you were younger, right? Like the, the differences that you were maybe treated because you're a female versus a man. Um, how do you think that shaped you as you got older and towards, you know, the careers and all the things that you're doing now? How do you think that affected you? Well, because of everything I've been through, like after I lived in California with my aunt and uncle, probably about six to seven months, they really didn't have the means to kind of help take care of me anymore. You know, my family was supporting sending some money. So I decided I'm, I'm going to move to New York. I On did, your own? Um, yes. Wow. But I did live with an aunt and uncle for a year. Okay. Um, I told my aunt I want to come live with her. She said no. And I came anyway. <laughs> I kind of had no choice. Yeah. So, you know, once I was there, she she was like, no, you know, I'm glad to have you. Because um, she realized, like, I'm not a problem. But also when you're in somebody else's house, you kind of have to show them, like, hey, I'm not just a burden. I can be a benefit. Um, and, you know, I have a great relationship with them now. But what one of the first things she said to me when I, when I graduated high school was, okay, when are you going to move out? So I was like, okay. So, There's you know, that expectation there that, yeah, it's time mm -hmm. to go. And rightfully so. That That's their privacy. That That's their home. And I was grateful for whatever they were able to give me. But then, you know, 
time to go. Got to keep going. Yeah. So for me, after that, I just always did everything for myself. Um, paid for for college for myself. I was working full time, taking 18 credits. I always did everything myself, mm-hmm. and you know, stood stuck to myself a lot. I'll be honest, never really had a lot of friends. It wasn't intentional. It's just that I always knew that I had priorities. Yeah, yeah. And when you know that if you don't do it yourself, you will literally be on the street. It's a different sense of feeling. It's mm-hmm. a different sense of motivation. It's a different sense of discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started doing that. So to answer your question about did I ever feel like there was a difference? No, because I was capable, if not more capable, of what men were doing. So for me in the life, in the kind of like the solo life that I've lived, mm-hmm. I formed after a certain period, my own thoughts and opinions of what that was. And I realized that I'm not less or more capable, maybe physically less capable than a man. I believe men are stronger. <laughs> that's, some, some, that's not cool. all. <laughs> some, not all. Yeah. But I realized that um, the things that you needed in life to stay alive or be successful as far as discipline, working hard, being smart, doing what you had to do, that was no different for me than anyone else. Um, and I realized that, I don't know if I directly realized it till I got older. Mm-hmm. I think I was just going through the notions of life un- unconsciously. Yeah. Um, and then eventually got to a place where I was like, oh, oh no, okay, I, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm okay. So you, so you think that, I mean, the fear of, because it sounds like basically if you didn't get it together, right, and focus on what you needed to do quickly, the fear of being on the street is, is was real for you. I mean, is that... Well, that happened once. Um almost I got saved by the bell so I was working full-time and dorming I kind of put it all in one for I had like a mini scholarship New York doesn't really give yeah and when I was in Florida they they'll pay for your college 100% based off your grades but New York doesn't really do that yeah because it's so expensive yeah they yeah. yeah it's so expensive up here so I still had to take out a loan and everything but then it was like a week before the semester was over and it's my first year in college you know I don't have anyone telling me what to expect what to do or, or anything like that like I didn't know that when the semester is over you had to move out like no one ever told me that oh, yeah so it's like a week before I have to move out and I'm like I can't move out I have nowhere to live what the hell so I remember seeing like this little job posting at school that you could work as a maid for the college over the summertime and you can clean they, up after your fellow students basically you. and then they house you for okay. free. So I remember going on the interview, but everyone was pretty much interviewing for it, like free yeah, housing. free housing for the summer, yeah. Not that they needed it. Yeah. I genuinely needed it. Yeah. So I remember going on the interview. Um, I made sure it was the first one there. And I remember one of the things I told him was, I told him that, Cause he was like, you know, why should I pick you over, over everybody else? You're not even taking classes this summer. Other people are taking classes. This is not. And I said, well, you know, I'm here for the job. I'm not here because you're asking if I'm taking classes or not. So if you want somebody who's going to do the job and be reliable, you may get other people who are here for a reason, but you're not going to get somebody who's going to do the job better than me. Wow. Bam. So, <laughs> <laughs> you're hired <laughs> right now. Start cleaning the house. <laughs> That's so, really good. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, it was more about the job. Than Absolutely. Anything. So, yeah. Thank God I got it because I was able to live there over the summer. And then um, next summer, yeah, I can't fully remember what happened. Um, but well, you next figured summer, it out. Yeah, yeah, well, next summer I remember also I had like another week to yeah. move. And then I, I moved in with one of my um, one of my peers at work, actually, mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. And then that worked out. So I was like, okay. Did you, uh, did you end up graduating? I didn't finish at that okay. college, no. Okay. No, I didn't. I think I have over 120 credits because I changed my major. I originally went um, to be a pharmacist, and I was in, it was a six-year program I was in, 
And what happened was it was 18 credits, but with two, two labs and the labs were three hours each a week. So it was already six hours a week on lab and I love science, but, and then all the other classes Then I was working full time. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to pay for everything. So eventually it came to a place like there was nights I just wasn't sleeping. And I remember even my dorm mates, I moved into the dorm late. So I was a freshman and everyone else was like a junior and they always used to party and go out and listen. I'm like, I got to go to work, got to go to class, got to do this or got to do that. And I remember them saying to me, you're the most responsible person I ever met. And I never even thought about it like that. I just looked at them and I said, well, I didn't say anything because I didn't really want to offend anybody. But my thoughts were not that I was responsible. My thoughts were just that they had a different privileged life than I did. And everyone has to live in a way that supports them. Yeah, um, I think that's a good way to put that. I think, um, you know, when some people look at you, they probably think, oh, man, she like she's so organized and so oh, she yeah. works so hard, and, you know, but it's just it's what you prioritize. And it's, it's a lot of it is where you come from and, you know, how you grew up and what do you value and what do you think is important? You know, things like that. You know, I listen to like a lot of motivational speakers and Recently, I heard uh, something, you know, basically he was yelling at me. You know, it's one of those YouTube videos where they're yelling at you to motivate you. Was it E.T. then? Um, no, 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 not Eric Thomas, no. Uh, but um, no, but it was it was basically like, you know, are, are, are you the one that's afraid to say no to your friends when they want to go to a bar versus when you want to work on what you want to work on, right? And if you're afraid to give them that no, and if you're afraid to not basically follow the crowd and kind of create your own journey and create your own path, you know, um, you're not going to be successful. You have to be the one to say no to those friends that are going to the bar and you want to stay home and work on what you're working on and focus on your business and focus on your career and focus on your education. Um, and it's very difficult, right? You even said yourself that maybe you didn't have a lot of friends when you were growing up, but it was by choice and it's because you had that laser focus. And I think it's important for people to understand that that laser focus is what makes you successful. That laser focus, that drive, that no, I can't go to the bar. No, Mm -hmm. I can't do this today. Sorry, I can't go to the Little League game. But you know what? It's because I'm building for our future. I'm building a foundation, right? Um, And it's tough. And people are afraid of that sacrifice because they're afraid of not having those people in their lives anymore. Of those people judging them um, based off of the fact that they can't hang out with them one day. And I think they keep them in their life because they believe that they help or their success is based around others or whatever the case. But it it always comes from within so yeah and then most of the times you know i had fun sometimes too of course yeah but most you of have the, to unwind of course yeah but most of the time it was just like i i for me it was like never an option like do i do this or do i do that it's like no i have to do this and then maybe i can make time for that yeah. i don't think at the time i knew i was creating a future sure. i just think i was taking it day by day you know but, when you're but young, you were laying your foundation confidence. you had that drive initially right yeah of course when you get older yeah. and you look at hindsight it becomes oh wow i kind of had Ooh, i can identify what I it was that. yeah yeah <laughs> i can identify what i was doing uh but in the moment you had that drive to begin with right so that's, that's really really good so i'm gonna ask you right and I, I asked you to, to come prepared for me a little <laughs> bit i gave her some homework um do you have a quote do you have a quote that that specifically sticks to you I have so many. I love words. Um, yeah, all the tattoos that I have are words. Well, how many tattoos do you have? I have two. Yeah, that's it? I have one on my neck. I know, uh. I know. <laughs> I have one that goes down here. Um, it's from Edgar Allan Poe. Oh. I, I like him. Quote the Raven nevermore, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. He's dark. He's dark, man, but it's deep. Um, I think he's only dark if, if, if that's how it's interpreted. So like, I, I'll read this quote, yeah. but like the one I have on the side is, and all I loved, I loved alone. Mm. So that doesn't mean I'm lonely. Yeah. It doesn't mean no one loves me. Yeah. That just means like, as a small example, like I love my dog, right? I may be the only person who loves my dog, 
but I love him and it makes me happy. So yeah. it's for me, the quote means that everyone has their own things that make them happy. Everyone has their own things. Yeah, that's a good point. That and it's it doesn't, open to interpretation, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you like it or right. not, because I do, yeah. and it's mine. Yeah. So. I agree. Um, but this one I got recently, and I was like, it blew my mind for a couple different reasons. Mm -hmm. This one is a bird sitting on a tree is never afraid of the branch breaking because her trust is not on the branch, but on its own wings. And I know that sounds so simple, but when I read it, it just completely in so many different ways changed my outlook because I thought of it from like two different positions. Um, you would look at a branch and you would think like, especially when you picture like a bird sitting on a branch, you picture like this big, thick, heavy branch, and it could be a big, thick, heavy yeah. branch. And the bird weighs less than a pound, right? Mm -hmm. But it still is doing all these things and living its life because it knows that it's got itself. Mm. And I thought that that was so interesting, but also because when you think about like a tree and you think about how that tree symbolizes relationships, whether that relationship is with your mother or your brother or a friend or, or, you know, a child or your significant other. Um, and I think that the tree represents different parts of relationships. Mm. So you have leaves on a tree, right? Leaves fall off constantly. Those are people in your life who come and go. Mm. They have a branch. Branches are a little more sturdy and you may think they're around for a while, but they eventually end up kind of coming and going as well. But then you have the roots and the roots kind of never leave until the tree dies. But <laughs> those roots kind of... That takes thousands and thousands of years sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> those roots kind of never leave. So even just like thinking about the branch, the branch, you know, and the bird on the branch could be someone maybe you're holding on to right now or something you're relying on. But if that branch does fall off or does go somewhere, are you confident enough to have your own wings yeah no that that that's actually really good uh who who made the quote do you know denzel washington oh my man denzel yeah. training day i love denzel yeah. denzel is actually um, he's amazing he's, he's very motivational mm -hmm. with his story and how he came up in acting um but no that's awesome and you know when we talk about interpretations right even when you read it i, I had my own interpretation what was right it? but it's pretty cool because you kind of the way you see it and the way i see it is different but it, it's kind of meaningful and impactful and that's why i agree when it comes to words that it can do that and um it is perspective Right, because because yeah. somebody can see that and and maybe feel like, oh, are you trying to say that I can't fly or I'm not a bird <laughs> myself or I'm not powerful enough to kind of be on my own, right? So it is inter interpretation, but I kind of see it as a tree is so strong and powerful, right? It's really hard to knock down a tree. So a tree is is really powerful. Even taking it off its roots, you need like two trucks and like you know, it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's almost grand. impossible. Yeah. Um. So a tree is so powerful that sometimes we hold on to things that we think are important or that we think aren't powerful to our lives and we're afraid to fly away from it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what I took from it. Um, and then, you know, when birds, uh, with a bird specifically, right, uh, you know, especially when they're young, they are afraid to fly a little bit and they are afraid to get away from, you know, their nest or whatever it is that where they're from. And, um, and so is it, for me, I took it as this tree is powerful and it's holding you up right now. And do you have the ability to fly away from something that you feel is strong and powerful but might be holding you back interesting that's kind of what i yeah. think yeah so it's, it's pretty cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. two completely different viewpoints yeah. but interpretation right yeah absolutely and yeah that's why you know i added kind of uh these topics to my podcast because i feel like even with words i know people are hit by words differently um mm -hmm. and some people are, are maybe a little bit more audio or you know movie based like i watch movies and i've cried at movies yes i'm a grown yeah. man that's, yeah. <laughs> but I've cried, i mean at a bunch of i think you would judge me if i told you how many movies <laughs> i cried at like toy story 4 at the end of toy, really? no, toy story 3 uh, toy story 3 when i truly <laughs> believed that they were going to burn all of the toys 
There was a tear dropping out of my eye. Really? Absolutely. But it's because when I was Come younger, on, Disney wouldn't do that to you. I I, I, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is this is so impactful. I was but you know, it's because when I was younger, I actually did have a bunch of toys. And I had toys that stood for me for a very, very, very long time that I until I was 14, 15 years old, that I was like afraid to throw away. Um Especially like as a young man, you know, action figures and things like that. Those are your heroes. Those are mm-hmm. uh, things that you look up to, right? The Superman, the Batman, the X-Men. And so, you know, I it really related to that of like, you know, when I had to throw away my toys and, and kind of lose those heroes and find real heroes and relate to real people kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Do you think you missed the toy and the symbol of the toy, like the symbolism of Batman? Or do you think it was the memories that were associated with the toys? Because what I found is that, you know, being so young and moving around so much, I don't have any of those memories. I don't have toys from when I was a child. I don't have pictures from when I was a child. I don't have that blanket from when I was, I don't have those things. So for me, the thought of an emotional attachment to an object is not there. But the thought of the emotional attachment to the memory is what I found keeps others attached to certain things. Because even though I don't have those things, I've went around and I've seen others with them. Like my aunt who has this doll from when her her daughter was, was little, is it the doll itself that holds the emotion or the memories that the doll brings back? And for me too, one of, like when people always harp on the past or harp on the memories to a certain extent, it drives me crazy. Um, it's when they do it to paralysis or when they oh. do it because it stops them from moving forward yeah. because you're, you're in love with a memory that's kind of no longer there. So I don't know, just a, a different viewpoint because I don't have those emotional attachments to items like that because I don't have those items. Mm. But what I do have are my memories. No, I, I think I personally think it was the items um, <laughs> just just because I, I didn't have strong memories attached to the toy specifically, like to certain events or certain people that gave it to them or to me. Um, but I think as a child... Um, and sometimes as an adult as well, I get attached to things that maybe uh, other people would view as non-essential, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but because for me, they bring me happiness and they bring me joy and they bring me peace, right? And so that's, you know, me sitting there as a kid, I can remember that, right? Like I used to play with my toys and I can remember a little wrestling ring and I would have them all playing with each other and that joy that it brought me, which it could be, you know, it's the memories it's like the you memory. said, but the joy that, that, that the toys brought me at that moment, um, you know, I, I stick with that. Right. Um, and even now, to this day, right, like my computer and, you know, all the things that I kind of hold on to. My computer's a little bit older, uh, but I love it. It works for me and it's fantastic. Right. It works really well. So I kind of I kind of stick to the things that really make me happy. And I feel are like a part of building me to be happy and better and give me that peace in moments time. So I don't know. But yeah, that yeah. makes sense. It doesn't hold you in the past. It just sparks those memories for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now we're gonna second part of your homework. All right. So um, what movie? What movie do you feel that you've ever seen? Or it could be a TV show too. Movie or TV show that you've seen that you feel maybe has been inspirational, maybe really hit you, impactful, you know, kind of thing. Well, I think there's a lot of movies. It's hard just to nail one, but the one that I can think of, and I believe it was Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. I can't say necessarily it's the entire movie. It's another movie I cried at, by the way. But go ahead. (laughs) I cried. I hope I'm thinking of the right movie. He's been in so many. It's the one where he was poor and Mm -hmm. living in the car. That's it. The Pursuit of Happiness with a Y. Yeah. So there's two two sections in that movie that kind of were like, I thought it was like, well, that that was Beast. And Mm -hmm. it was something so small. I remember he was playing basketball with his son. Um, His son was probably like 10 years old. They're playing basketball. And he goes, I'm going to dunk it, Dad. And he goes, son... Unfortunately, with our height and our genes, like you'll never be able to dunk. 
you could see his face, his son's face totally changed. And Will Smith, whatever his character's name was in the movie, kind of caught himself. And he took a step back and he was like, you know what, son? Let me teach you something in life. He said, don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. So for me, that was impactful because it's like it doesn't matter how close someone is to you, how much someone cares about you or the relationship you believe you have with that person. You can't believe what they say if you have your own vision or your or, or your own thought or something that you want to do. You can't let anyone tell you you can't as long as, you know, as long as it's not detrimental to others. But who's to say he he can or can't regardless of his height? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or however tall the boy ends up being. But yeah. I thought that was... That was cool. And then the second part of that movie was his ambition to get to the interview. He was interviewing um, for the job. Yeah, like, to be, it was a, to be a, a stock, stock, stock trader. Yeah, stock yeah. And he was just having such a difficult time getting there and getting there. And, and everything was like going against his up. way. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And he runs in and he's sweating and his shirt's messed up. He looks dirty. Yeah. Like, he looks dirty. And he's sitting in front of these executives and the executives basically say to him, because he was so dirty, like he had to take his shirt off. Mm-hmm. He had like a white yeah, he had, like, paint. On. He had like paint on his face. Yeah, yeah it was, it was just, crazy. yeah. And they say to him, you know, well, what would you say? What would you say if, if you hired somebody with no shirt? Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say? And he goes, you know, must have had some really nice pants on. <laughs> and I thought that was interesting too. And it made me laugh, but I thought it was interesting too, because he was looking at the upside of it. And he was also like future forecasting, like when you hire me, you're going to be telling people he had nice pants on. So I thought the mindset of those two quotes in that movie were interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, I love that movie. I definitely did cry at that movie a few times. (laughs) Um, And it's a tough watch, um, especially when he gets to um, the point where. You know, his wife leaves him and he's, he's, he's basically down on his on the dumps. And, and he's he broke. says to her, I don't mean to interrupt yeah, you, but that's another part of the movie when she's like freaking out and going crazy. And she's like, I have to leave you. And he looks at her and he starts taking a step back and he just goes, you're so weak. And I knew he meant mentally, not physically. Yeah. And I was like, he's right. Because you got to you got to if you want someone at their best, you got to be able to be with them at their worst. And if you can't do that, you don't deserve either. So I thought that was interesting too. Yeah, I agree. And I'm sure she regretted it after because that's after a true story. So I'm sure she <laughs> yeah. regretted it after. So we're going to take a short break. Um, we'll be back in a All right. And we're back. Um, so I'm going to continue talking about the pursuit of happiness. I know we cut off a little bit there, but, um, no, it's a, it's a really deep movie. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's like you said, you know, um, when you get to that point, uh, that, you know, you have no choice kind of, right. Cause he had no movie. He had no choice, right. Will Smith's character. He has no choice. Right? Whoever hasn't seen a movie, let me kind of recap before you. So, um, Will Smith, he's basically struggling. This the movie takes place. I want to say in that maybe seventies, late seventies, early eighties kind of, and he's struggling. He's, he's got a wife and he's got a kid. And his kid, Jaden Smith, is actually his real kid in real life. And he's the kid in the movie. And he's struggling to sell, like, bone marrow x-ray machines, right? And it's not going well for him. Uh, he invested all of his money into this, and he's not selling any at all. And so his his wife is obviously, you know, getting frustrated by the situation. And it comes to the point where he actually gets one of them stolen. Um, and he can't afford to pay the rent because it was stolen. So him and his wife go into it, and she leaves him. And she leaves him with his son. 
and it's basically the movie is all about the struggle of him trying to come back from that. And then he decides that he wants to try and be a stockbroker. But at the time that he's trying to be a stockbroker, he's dead broke. He, you know, it's, it's him and his son are living like in a hotel room. There's a point in the movie where him and his son get kicked out of the hotel room and have to live on the subway. That part was really sad for me. I couldn't get through it. Um, <laughs> You know, especially, you know, being, if you know, if I can be honest, being a male, right? And then thinking about, you know, if you had a child and you had to go through that, you know, that really hit me. It, it touched me hard. Um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine how I would have done it, uh, you know, and seeing him kind of go through that. You know, it's a movie, but it's, it's really impactful. And then eventually, obviously, he kind of builds relationships and he learns and he studies and he goes to be a stockbroker. A stockbroker. He takes the exam. You know, he kills the exam. You know, they hire him. Um, and it's such a motivational, such an inspirational story. And the fact that it's actually a true story is also pretty cool. Um, and Will Smith is obviously amazing in it because he's almost <laughs> amazing in everything. Um, but it's a really deep movie. So if you've never seen it, which is kind of crazy, but if you've never seen it, definitely go out of your way to see it. And if you have children, watch it with them um, because I think it'll be impactful uh, for the whole family kind of thing. That's a really good movie. So I think that was a really good choice. Fair enough. <laughs> it has some good stuff in the movie throughout. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So... The next piece of your homework, um, book. book. Give me one book or, yeah, or, you know, collection of books that maybe you feel have impacted you. Yeah. So that one was, was interesting because different parts of my life, different books affected me. Absolutely. Remember when I was a teenager, I read Go Ask Alice. It was basically this girl's diary of like this teenage girl who gets addicted to drugs and ends up like running away from home and, you know, e eventually ends up in a really, I don't know if I should say the ending of the book, I had to catch myself there. Um, but basically it just goes through her struggle to addiction and where it leads her across. And I just thought it was so interesting to see it from the addict's point of view and everything that she's going through, especially at a young age, she was like 13, 14 years old. But I remember reading it around that age and I just remember reading it and saying it to myself. Not that I thought she was weak for getting addicted, but what it showed, what I thought of was, look how the wrong behaviors can put you in bad situations when, because all we are is just a combination of the behaviors we do every day. So as an example, if I was to wake up every single day and go to the gym and every single day I went to the gym, obviously it's gonna transform my body. But then as well, because of that behavior of going to the gym every day and the outlook it had on my life and the outlook it had on my physical appearance, I would be known as a gym rat or I'd be known as a gym person. Yeah. But it, that's not who I literally am. It's just a collection made up of my behaviors. So in that book, it was just an example of the wrong behaviors could lead you to the wrong thing. But it was also interesting, like for such, it, it was her diary. So it was, yeah. it was just really interesting. Wow, um, I've never heard of it. It sounds like The Basketball Diaries. Have you ever seen that movie, The Basketball Diaries? No. It's with Leo DiCaprio. I've seen Love and Basketball <laughs> <laughs> A little different, a little different. Um, also a good movie, though. But uh, now Basketball Diaries, kind of same story. Uh, you know, Leo plays a character where um, he's young, he's, you know, he's popular, he plays basketball, and then those behaviors, you know, he became addicted to some painkillers and then some drugs, um, and it kind of went down from there. He had to do some things he wasn't proud of. It's a true story. Um, but I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, a lot of it is uh, behaviors. Um, most of it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's what we do on a daily basis and but i also feel it's funny that you said that because you said if, if even if you went to the gym every day and it transformed your body and obviously it would make you healthier mm -hmm. you would still be judged yes as a gym rat right as, you know what i mean so at some point even um a, a lot of it is how we define ourselves more than anything else right um so yeah certain behaviors can lead you towards negative results absolutely mm -hmm. right some deep dark results unfortunately yeah. 
Um, but even when you do positive things and even when you do good things that are healthy and, and great, you still get judged for it. Right. So how do you how do you deal with judgment? Right? How do you deal with people maybe judging you, uh, those close to you or those far away from you? Like, do you let that get to you? Does that affect you at all? One of the things I try to remember is that what other people think of me is not my business. Those are their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own emotions, and it's not necessarily my business. That doesn't mean that you don't care about what everyone else thinks, but if you could literally say to yourself that these collection of behaviors that I have are a positive thing, not only for myself, but for others, and it's not really causing harm, then I don't think it should really, should really matter. You know, yeah. uh, but it's hard too. It's hard not only in your personal life; it's hard in a work environment as well, right? Because the more you go up at work, or the more you do different things, or even just being successful in general in any aspect, everyone always has something to say about it. Because the truth is, your success intimidates their failures. So it's just it, it'll yeah it'll never stop. Mm. But what you can do is change your outlook on it and your persona on it. And I even try to catch myself today sometimes, like when I hear something or. Somebody tells me something, I'm like, you know what, Laura? Remember what you what you told yourself. You said you're working on the fact that what other people think of me is not it's not my business. Mm. Right? Do, do you feel it's a little bit more difficult in the social media age, considering that now basically everywhere you go, people have something to say, right? Before it be so I'll give an example, right? Especially in the bullying era, the bullying age that we're in. You know, when we get bullied in high school, it's it's during high school, and then when you go home, you don't speak to anybody, nobody bothers you. You have your family, yeah. you have maybe some friends in the neighborhood, but now uh, well, well, when we went to high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now, but now it's you know you go home and they get you on Facebook, they get you on Instagram, they get you on all these social media outlets that maybe you're just on to have some fun. And even as adults, we get it right. You post a picture, you're gonna get some people saying some stuff under your comments. Mm -hmm. You know, do you think it's it's even more difficult now to put away that noise, that white noise, that constant kind of you know people judging you and all that stuff? Yes, because I I don't believe that people know how to filter that yet. I think that technology grows faster than people and one day we had cell phones and that were flip phones and you could call, you had like 200 minutes and you don't want to go over your minutes yeah. and the next minute all of a sudden you have social media and a phone that's more capable than a computer. So technology grows faster than, than humans do. So as the technology was growing, we really weren't understanding what was happening until it happened. Now we know all the side effects, now we know everything that's going on. But especially being a parent, going from, you know, I can imagine people who were born in the 60s and then they're raising their kids in the 80s and 90s. They never had anything that we had. Yeah. So how would they know what technology or social media could do to someone's mind? So I think that parents as leaders and as parents were not equipped to be able to handle what had happened, especially from a mental health point of view. And I think that as children, you only know what you're surrounded with. So these children, when they were growing up, and even in today, could be living in their own world of technology that the parents have no idea about because you can't physically see it. It's in yeah. its own, it's in, it's in the phone, it's in its own world. So you don't see and hear everything that they're seeing and hearing. So as a vulnerable child, yeah, I think that, I think that it, it is a lot of noise and, and, and it is a lot going on. And that's why all those crazy things have happened with the cyberbullying and everything. Yeah. I think today we're more aware, we're more knowledgeable, um, and I think that if it's still happening today, then people really need to understand, like, what am I filtering into myself? What am I filtering into my brain? What's happening? What am I, what am I even saying to myself, yeah. right? Because as you read these things, it also creates, like, imprints. So, Absolutely. you know, are we 
are we personally aware of those things? And are we not putting ourselves in a situation yeah. to feel that and, way? And it's also, what's the first thing that you digest in the morning, right? If you're yeah. going straight into Snapchat and social media and you're looking at all these people. And, and I think, I think people, like you said, people get it and they understand it, but they still are influenced by it. And that's the part that I don't understand. Because on social media, you're, not, you're only going to see the best image of each individual. Right. It's very yeah. it's very rare that people are putting up their struggles and um, the darkness that, that that life can have or even just regular day life. Just them living a life. They, you know, they're going to take a picture in front of a fancy car that might not yeah. be theirs. And then you're going to say, man, I want that car. Right. But, you know, so it's 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 strange to me that people are still so affected by by other people on social media, understanding that it's not real life. Um, you know, maybe because I'm a bit older as well. And so I'm kind of in yeah. the middle where I understand technology and I get it. But I also kind of get the the break free part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, where the new generation, the young kids are just that's what they grew up on. That's, that's all they it. know. So, yeah. yeah, I think even more importantly is that like kind of that relationship with yourself. We're always worried about what others are saying to us. But I don't know why we're not more worried about what we say to ourselves. Um, yeah, absolutely. so like just as just as an example, um, just to tell a little story. Um, well, that's what we do here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so for whatever, for sake of story, I'll say, I'll say it was me. Yeah. So, you know, there, fine, I won't say it was me. So there's this woman who, you know, let's say she was recently divorced, right? And, you know, she's married for 10, 12 years. And finally, after being divorced for like a year or two, she's finally ready to, you know, start dating and go back on dates. So she, her friend hooks her up with the line date. The man comes, they have dinner, you know, and he kind of rushes out at the end and kind of just like leaves, you know, wow. she's thinking and she's like, you know, so she wants some advice. So she's talking to somebody that she's pretty familiar with. She's saying, you know, why did this happen? Why did this person just rush out for me? You know, what's, what's wrong with me? I don't understand. I thought we were having a good time. Never heard from the person. And this person that she's talking to says, well, you know, maybe if your makeup was a little nicer that night and maybe if you, you know, okay. weren't a little so chunky, maybe that person would have actually been into you. But because, you know, you didn't look your best and you really don't take care of your body that well and because you yourself probably don't have enough confidence, why would anybody want you? And you would think, you know, like, why would somebody say that to her? Yeah. Like, why would somebody so close to her say something so hurtful, especially in a time like that? Um, but do you know who said that to her? She yeah. said it. She said it to herself. Oh, did she? Right. So why do we say these things to ourselves when things happen? Like, why are we the first people to put ourselves down, but then get offended when someone else even has any type of criticism? Um, so that's a deeper rooted issue in what we say and do to our to ourselves. We want others to respect us, but we don't respect ourselves sometimes. Wow, that's uh, very well put. Um, <laughs> not, that, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, you know, it's like when you wake up in the morning, is the first thing you focus on that little tiny pimple in the corner of your head? Oh, oh, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know what I mean? Like, uh, I got a pop. No, it's true. And then, and then all day, that's like in your mind. And then you, you turn a little tiny pimple that's natural that happens because of hormones or you know, <laughs> so many different things. And you, you view yourself as ugly or for something so well, small. Well, you mess up and you tell yourself you're stupid and you suck and this and that. Like, why, when you mess up, you can just say, wow, I'll never make that mistake again. I'm so grateful I learned that. Yeah. Or you could say how stupid you are. But if you would never let someone else disrespect you and say those things, why would you disrespect yourself? Yeah. And that's, that's where it really comes from, right? The thoughts that are circling in your head, in your head. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're just so negative and then people wonder why they... They don't feel good when they wake up in the morning. They wonder why they're not motivated to get out of bed, or they wonder all these things, but they can't even say anything nice to themselves. Yeah, I, I think I think 
the, the best advice that I can give people when it comes to that is you're going to have those thoughts. I think it's almost impossible to not have those thoughts, right, of feeling like a failure in a moment or feeling not your best or not looking your best. But when you have that thought, know that you're having that thought and redirect your thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Counteract those thoughts, right? Even if it's like you're kind of you know arguing against yourself sometimes, right? And saying like, damn, I messed up. That sucks. Yeah. I, I must have been really stupid for that. But then go, wait a minute. I've done this before and I've done better and I know I can do better and this is how I'm going to do better, right? Be able to be flexible and change those thoughts in the moment um, because you're going to have them. Everybody has those moments of doubts and those moments where they view themselves as not as good as they should be, but you yeah. got to kind of counteract that and you have to be aware of those thoughts and yeah, that self-awareness is very important. I think people too create their own idea of what failure is. They're like, oh, I tried this once and I didn't get it right, so I failed. Yeah. What did Okay. Um, did you give up? No, I didn't. I didn't give up. Then you didn't fail. You learned along the way. Yeah. You only fail when you give up. Doesn't matter how many times you fail. If you haven't given up yet, you haven't failed. Yeah. You just—they're just mess ups. They're just bumps along the road. You literally only fail when you give up. Absolutely, I agree. What what motivates you to grind on a daily basis, right? And I say daily because I think we're all motivated. Well, hopefully, most of us are motivated long term, right? We have those long term goals. We have those those aspirations, right? But, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, right? How do you daily get up in the morning and go, I'm going to be the best Laura Hanna that I can be. I'm going to do everything that I can today. What what pushes you to do that? So for me, it's the fact that I never want to live off of anybody again. Um, I just remember going from home to home and house to house and just trying to figure everything out. And it was so uncomfortable and so frustrating. Just, I always, even as... Even though I was a teenager and I was doing that, and you would say, like, it's not your fault. You know, you're a teenager. What, what else are you going to do? It still made me so uncomfortable to, to feel like I was eating somebody else's food. or And, you know, yeah. I was working and I was, like, chipping in a little bit. Um, but it's still not your it just, own. It's, it's, not, it's not your own. Right? It's not comfortable. Then throughout parts of my life, I felt the burden that I put on others. Like, when I was living in California with my aunt and uncle, they were struggling themselves a little bit and I saw their fear in, in trying to raise a teenager when they their kids were only four and, and two like they don't know anything about life with children past four years old from four years old to like 15 16 you know I saw the fear in their yeah. yeah I saw the fear in their eyes every day of like trying to raise me or help me and you know even just my aunt and uncle in New York being like well I don't want you here but if you have nowhere to go, like just come. So I always told myself that I would always take care of myself enough to have my own things and to have my own life. I also, you know, didn't like the fact that as a woman in my culture, like everything that I wanted to do was dictated by others. So like I never got to go to prom. I never got to go to school dances. I never got to, I never got to do any of that stuff because I wasn't allowed. And they always used to say to me, my house, my rules, or you know, I pay the bills or I put food on your plate. So then that used to translate to me in a way where it was like, if I have my own house and it's my own rules, if I have my own food, then it's my own rules. If I have all these things myself, and it's my own rules, not because I wanted to go out and do crazy stuff, yeah. but I feel like the things I was asking for in life were, were normal things. Like I want to be able to go out to dinner and afford it. I want to be able to go um, on a date and not be followed and pulled out because there's a man or judged just because you're going yeah yeah. i don't want an arranged marriage i don't want to have to go through those things so if you're telling me that i have to do these things or i'm 
or I'm stuck where I'm at because you control all of this, then the answer is to work hard enough and motivate myself enough to have my own. So then, and not that I wanted to do crazy things, you have to make good decisions in life, but for me personally, that's what motivates me. Also knowing that if I don't do it, no one else is going to help me, or if I don't do it, I'm, I'm never going to get there. We all have this vision and this life that, that we want, but sometimes we wait for others to kind of give it to us, and that will never happen. So I realized really early, too, that whatever this vision is, if I have of myself, I have to get it myself. Um, you know what I find but, interesting? Um, mm-hmm. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I just find it very interesting because we, we come from different backgrounds, right? Um, uh, I, I, well, I grew up, I guess you can say, uh, lower income um i still had everything i wanted uh for the most part my parents did everything that i could no you know they did everything that they could to get me the things that i wanted um to to do everything for me i mean i i lived like a very privileged life for being low income Mm -hmm. i trust me i had a great child and i had everything i ever wanted um and i probably could still be living with my mother today if i wanted to um there's a point in my life when i envied people like but but I, i i needed to break free from them because you know i made a decision when i was younger that while wow, this is great and I literally I have I mean I have uncles that lived with you know my grandmother until they were like 40 <laughs> something uh, it's kind of crazy you know in the Hispanic community we're kind of like that the, mm-hmm. the moms kind of take care of the boys forever um, but I knew that if I wanted to kind of break the chains of being low income if I wanted to kind of rise up and maybe be a little bit you know uh, more privileged than maybe my family was when we were younger I had to break away from that because if not I would have developed the same behaviors that would have kept us in those neighborhoods that maybe weren't safe that maybe were low income that were poor that were dangerous um so it's even though we have different perspectives on how we grew up and we had different experiences on how we grew up we both still have that drive to know that we still wanted to create kind of our own path and develop our own kind of future separate from what we came from mm-hmm. um and i think that's very important because you know uh and this is obviously something common and people say all the time but where you come from and what you've been through doesn't define who you are Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I just find that interesting that, that we yeah. have that 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 different perspective, right? Because I, did, I really didn't struggle when I was younger at all. Like mm-hmm. I personally, as a child, and even as I got older, like I said, I could still be with my mom happily, you know, not paying rent, doing whatever. Um, but I knew that that wasn't the life that I wanted. I had to create my own path. Um, so you know, I think uh, for everybody listening, um, you can kind of change your 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 path, your 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 the way you're going, right? Your aspirations. It doesn't have to be where you come from. It's all about are you motivated to get to where you want to be? Are you are you gonna daily you know grind to get there? Are you gonna always think about your why, right? Why are you doing this today? Why are you waking up today and you know opening up this business? Why are you going to this job? Why are you doing all these things for your kids and your family? What is it that's driving you? And that why, that inspiration that you have to change is what you have to use every day and, and remind yourself of that. Um, Sorry, I just, I know I want a little bit of a tangent, but... No, it's fine. Just you talking makes me think of um, process and purpose, right? A lot of people, when they think about success, they think one day I'm here and literally the next day, oh, I'm successful. They say on average today with all the technology that we have and how easy things are, people have an average patience time frame of two seconds. Anything that takes longer than two seconds, they're going to get frustrated, which is insane to me because the best things are built over time. So when you think about where you want to go in life, and this is why I think most people give up because they don't understand. They see people and they're like, oh, they're successful. They're successful today, but for the past 20 years, they haven't been. So what happened from today for the past 20 years, they were enjoying the process. They were enjoying the ups, the downs, the wins, the fails, the trials, the errors, the 
most people, they don't get rich their first time. They don't get rich overnight. So today, I think, especially with technology and millennials, what they have to understand is that you're looking for the goal. You want to get to your goal, right? But then when you get that goal, that goal literally happens from one second to the next, right? So if you're only living for that goal, you're living for one second of happiness. What you have to do is understand that it's a process and the process has to be enjoyed more than anything else. Yeah. You have to enjoy if you work for a company, you get a crazy visit and <laughs> may not go the way you want in the corporate world, but that's all part of the process. When you look back on your journey and you look at life and you look at where you've been, you would be nothing of who you were today if you didn't go through those processes. It's not about the goal. Yeah, you know, I agree. And, um, you know, obviously when you're going through the struggles, it's difficult to uh, appreciate them while you're going through the struggles. Of course. Uh, but you have to kind of take the small victories, right? So I'll give you an example, like with this podcast, right? If I go from one listener to two listeners, yay, you have, have to celebrate starts. that. Exactly. You have yeah. to celebrate that, right? Um, you have to celebrate the small victories and that'll get you through, you know, those struggles, those tough times where you're just like, well, why am I not getting a thousand listeners in, in a week? You know, no, but you're getting, you're growing your, your business, you're growing your culture, you're growing whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and yeah, it's tough in the moment. You know, I, I'm sure you know that we've worked together for a good minute. Uh, minute yeah. And it's, it's tough in the moment when you're going through those struggles. But yeah, if you can have that, that hindsight to look back and say, okay, yeah, it was tough and it sucked and it beat yeah. me up, but this is what I learned from it. This is how it's going to make me better. This is why it was important. It will get you through that. And you will appreciate the journey a lot more. Absolutely. Um, so who are some people you look up to? Well, I think first and foremost is myself, but not in a way that's conceited or no, in a way where like, oh my God, I'm so awesome. It's in a way where I look up to myself because I expect more from myself. Not in a way where like, I feel like I'm where I need to be because you can't make anyone else proud if you can't make yourself proud first. Um, but then like there's so many other people it's hard for me to like really pick one because it, it can be for so many well, how about this? reasons what kind of person motivates you what kind of person do you look at and go I, you know they inspire me that's a that's a better question so for me it's about people who basically have a growth mindset versus just a stagnant mindset so if if I'm friends with somebody and they're talking to me about how they messed something up and it like, and they gave up because of that or like completely overtook their mind and it just makes them so upset and they can't move forward from it. Like that aggravates me, right? Like, yeah, you, you messed up, but, but what did like, what did you learn from it? Like, where, where are you going with it? Like you can do it. Like humans go through a lot of things. We're like the highest form of being on this planet yeah, we're at right? the top of the evolutionary chain and we don't even know what that means yet we've yeah. only explored two percent until, until we create the ais and then they take over but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but we don't we haven't even explored like what our brain is capable of if even if you look at like neuroscience and things like that they're just like we don't know what the brain is capable of yeah. so we only know about two percent of it so for me i believe that we can get through anything we'll have our ups and our downs but when somebody literally can take nothing and even make it something small or get through something really difficult like I really admire them it doesn't really have to do with money for me it doesn't have to do with what people have I've never been somebody who's like into material things so for me it's more about what that person like kind of creates for themselves and it's okay to get help from others as long as it's not the defiant factor. Like, what did you create for yourselves? When I can see somebody go from step one to step two or step three, I'm like, wow. 
wow, you know, you went from going on, you went from living off government assistance to now you have your own paychecks. That's still motivating for me too. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. I think so many people uh, put success with finances, mm -hmm. right? That you have to be a millionaire, you have to be rich in order to be successful. Um, and I think uh, in one of my last uh, couple episodes, I, I, I defined success as, uh, are you happy and are you growing, right? Because you can be living in a one bedroom apartment um, and be completely happy with where you're at and you're developing yourself and you're growing slowly. And I think I'm, you're, I'm inspired by that. I'm inspired that you found happiness, that you're actually truly happy in your body and mm -hmm. in your soul and in your life. That yeah. is, is, is admirable, right? And somebody might say, well, they live in a one bedroom apartment, but they're happy. They found their own success and they're happy in their life that they're living. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's especially, again, uh, the, the media age and the, the, the technology, age, technology age that we're in, you know, it's hard when you look at Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and all these things and people are, you know, pretending to lead, to live these lives. You know, defining success in 2019 is very difficult um, because of all these influential factors. But I think if you look at that inspiration and look at that admiration of people who are just happy, who are pursuing growth, like you said, who are doing those little things in life to make themselves better. I think when you start looking at it that way, you'll find more happiness in yourself instead of trying to achieve things that maybe aren't realistic. Yeah. And I think a lot of things too, like one of the things that drives me crazy, people be like, yeah, but you have so much confidence. So because you have so much confidence, you could just do it. And I'm like, I don't understand. You're talking about confidence as, as if it's a personality trait and it's not, yeah. you're not born with confidence. It's not a personality trait. Yeah. Confidence is a set of behaviors that leads you to a desired outcome. So like, oh, when you get on stage and you talk in front of 200 people, you're confident. No, I'm not. It's, putting myself in an uncomfortable situation, but it's the behavior of getting on stage or it's the behavior of just doing things and people mistake like taking that step for confidence. Like I don't have confidence, so I can't do it. Confidence is something you teach yourself. But they also don't see the hours of preparation that you put into that moment as well. Right. People assume that you're just standing up there the speaking in front of 200 people and don't understand probably the week's time that you put the material together, that you practiced mm -hmm. your speech, that you sat there in front of a mirror and looked at how you speak. Right. That that's 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 the part about it, too. Like, sure, you probably uh, protrude confidence to people, but you've had so much preparation to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think people don't understand that that preparation is so important. That's how you get confident. And yeah, you're probably, you know, your palms are probably sweaty in front of those 200 oh, people, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. You're probably super nervous. nervous. Tummy's rumbling right here. Yeah. yeah. But, always but because you've had that preparation and that practice, it does give you a little bit more confidence to be able to know that you got it. You still feel the nerves, but you know that you got it because of that preparation. That preparation is so important. What's, Dip, yeah. what's worse for me than nerves is regret. I'd rather do it and mess up and say I did it than never do it and say I wish I did. That's pretty powerful. So, <laughs> quote by Laura Hanna. Uh, <laughs> cool. Um, so we're, we're kind of winding down towards the end. Do you have a song that motivates you? I love words. I love so many songs. Um, I listen to Eminem a lot growing up because his he told stories with his music. I, I used to, this is going to make me sound really like dark, but I'm really not. But like, I used to love reading Edgar Allan Poe also. Um, I love Eminem songs, Sing for the Moment. Nas, One Mic is one of my favorite songs oh, also. Song. Um, uh, Fora, Fake Smiles, because it's really about the words that, that they use in there. I love song. I love songs that tell a story and are yeah. meaningful. Some of the songs today about like 
I think one of them talks about a crock pot and things like that, or like fried chicken oh. and everything. I'm like, it's probably a Migos I'm song. Like, no offense, Migos. Yeah, it's yeah, probably, probably a Migos I think it is, yeah. actually. And they're fun and all those things, and you need fun songs like that. But sometimes you also need songs that just speak to you differently. So I love artists that tell stories. Jay-Z has songs that, that tell stories. Um, I know I just listed a bunch of rappers, but no, there's, no, also, no, there's also other artists that you know are not yeah. rappers that I... I'm really into too. Like I think Halsey has some some really good words in her songs and things like that. And now I'm drawing a blank on the other ones, even the old school ones. No, you're good. I mean, yeah, you know, music uh, speaks to a lot of different generations. I mean, I listen to like stuff from the 60s, 70s, and 80s and 90s. And there are moments where you do want to listen to the Migos yeah. and kind of relax and chill <laughs> yeah. out. But then there's other moments where maybe um, you know you want something a little bit deeper and and, and they, they can't hit you. I, I agree with words. Words can strike a chord so powerful inside you that. Um, that it can leave like a, a lasting impression. I um, mean, yeah. songs, you know, because they last so long, three minutes to four minutes, you can really take that and just get in the mood, you know? Like, it, it's so powerful. It's really strong. Yeah. Okay, Laura, I want to thank you for joining me. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, is there anything that you want to share with the audience in terms of social media or anything you're working on, projects or anything like that? Sure. Um, I'm still building up my social media, trying to get some content on there but should be doing it soon so i'll give it out anyway you may go there and not see much but it's underscore l hannah that's l h a n n a underscore underscore l hannah underscore it's pretty simple um you're not gonna find too much on there right now except for probably some healthy food and my dogs because i'm an animal lover um but I'm, I'm working on that. It's not easy. It's like a full-time job. Well, do you have a, a social media page just for your dogs? I know a lot of people do that. I don't know, but I should. Maybe that's where you should start. Maybe if you put yeah. up a social media page of your dog and all the things that it does, it'll motivate you to do it yourself too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Get motivation to my dogs. Awesome. So say one more time so the audience can hear what's your... your... Underscore L Hannah underscore. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, Laura. Um, just so everybody knows, again, Decipher Together, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spotify. You look for Decipher Together with the number two in front of together. I know it's a little weird, but I like it. Um, you can like, share, subscribe. Um, you can find us on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, all of the above. Uh, at gmail.com as well, together at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from anybody who has any ideas um, for the podcast, anybody that wants to join as well. It'd be great to have you. Laura, I definitely appreciate you being here. It's been awesome. Um, talk to you soon. Thank you.